Hello and welcome back to The Pink Podcast. I'm your host, Chloe Nelkin, and I'm joined by Vanessa Hills, Liz Farahardy and Zoe Villiers to talk about what the screen means. Vanessa is the Head of Arts Marketing for Trafalgar Releasing, the company responsible for bringing some incredible stage productions to wider audiences through our screens. In 2009, through a partnership with NT Live, Trafalgar Releasing launched the first piece of live theatre broadcast in cinemas. They work with The Met every year to present The Met Live in HD, which has increased accessibility to The Met's world-class performances for audiences across the globe. Trafalgar Releasing have recently screened theatre, including A Little Life, The Prince of Egypt, and various pieces from Matthew Bourne. Coming from a different part of the cinema industry, Liz is the founder of the Soho London Independent Film Festival, Soho Lift, a festival that exists to shine a light on the stories that matter and tries to make international cinema accessible to everyone. The 2024 festival happened at the end of January with over 50 films to watch and an incredible number of genres represented. Liz herself has starred in a number of award-winning films and theatre productions. She champions using film to shine a light on the disenfranchised and uses the festival to give a voice to those who've been marginalised. Zoe is an amazing actress and physical theatre performer who is one of the core company members of Temper Theatre. She works across theatre, film, TV, modelling, music videos and commercials. Recently, Zoe's expanded her knowledge of filmmaking by creating short films, working both in front of and behind the camera. And her film Rusty has won multiple awards at festivals across the globe. So three incredible guests today. And we are going to chat all about the cinema and what the screen means to audiences. So let's start by clearing up some terminology. Vanessa, what is event cinema and when did it come about? So event cinema is all about bringing wonderful content to local audiences, audiences that may not be able to access it due to geography, budget or literally availability. It could be sold out. It may be a one-off. I think it started right back at the beginning of the 2000s with a Robbie Williams live from Berlin but the sort of main point it started was 2007 with the first Met live broadcast from New York. And then very quickly, it has grown to the point where we've just released Taylor Swift, the era's tour and Beyonce's renaissance. So it, it's, it spans such a wide spectrum of content, but it's all about, uh, it's not like a classic film. You you can't watch it any day, any time. It won't run for weeks. It might be a one-off. It might be live. We did Coldplay live from Buenos Aires in 81 countries, 3,500 cinemas. We broadcast live for 36 hours just dealing with the time zones. So it might be something like that. It could be a little life where... With the permission of Hanya, the author, we were allowed to release in limited markets because it was such a successful play running in the West End. It transferred to the Savoy and we were allowed to film it. But we literally had a two-week release window and that we're not allowed to release it again. But then you've got organisations like the Royal Opera House and the Met who create their wonderful seasons. They pull together the sort of best of their opera and ballet stage productions and they put them out live. And then they also do encore screenings. So with the Royal Opera House, we, we would have a live broadcast during the week. And then we always have a Sunday encore at 2 p.m. And we take that internationally. So it's live in the UK and some of the European markets that can take it via satellite at the time. Though obviously in some countries it's a little bit later. And so for some of the operas, they're not finishing till midnight. But then we a month later, we go out with it's it's a recorded version. So it's a very light. It wouldn't be edited. It'd be as live, essentially. But it goes out recorded. And that means we can take it to Japan 
we can take it to, I think we're in about 45 countries with the Royal Opera House. It's a many and varied thing and it goes from the very little, we did a Berliner live on New Year's Eve, which is about 40 cinemas, to the, the, you know, the, the giants of pop who go worldwide. And what's the difference as an audience member in that experience of going to see a show that's just been recorded or going to see something that's being screened live? It's a funny one. You know, in the early days, we were scrupulous about saying it was live or not live because people would get very, very upset if they thought they were going to something that was live and then they found out that actually it wasn't. I think the beauty of the live is that you are in that moment and if something happens, if there's a drama on stage or, in fact, the Royal Opera House had King Charles and, and Queen Camilla Miller came and that was arranged at very short notice and the cinema audience got to see a moment which uh, none of us knew about and that was quite a special live thing but it's it's quite often it's just it's that night and you feel that whatever's happening at the opera house or it's what's happening in the theatre you're seeing it at the same time which is it feels pretty amazing but I think as time's gone on, there's so much fantastic recorded content. Some of them have been much more edited. I mean, often in the music space, artists, are, uh, they obviously want to present the very best of themselves and their music and their voice. So they might spend quite some time editing it and, and it's filmed in, a, in an amazing way with many, many cameras. And then with, with theatre, the time people... It, live isn't always possible it's not necessarily the right time you want to make sure you can release it so that audiences get to see it and sometimes it's a it's a commercial reason for example if it's a stage show you might not want it to be in cinemas while it's on stage or if it's going on tour so it, there are sort of quite a lot of commercial considerations as well as aesthetic and creative ones and I suppose especially with some of these blockbuster events like you're talking about what cinema is able to do is widen reach which is something that Liz you also do with the streaming with the festival so yes. for people who maybe can't come down to Soho and weren't able to get to the festival in January, you're streaming online. So what do you think that that streaming or sort of the people going to the cinema to see Vanessa's things, what's that doing for the industry? Oh, well, do you know what? This is, I think, one of the one positive things we got from COVID. Because if you'd asked me before that about going and, and streaming the film festival, I'd be oh, no, 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 not at all. But actually... When you film these things, you bring it into somebody's home and you bring it to people that might not get that chance to see it. And it is as exciting. It's a different experience. It's, different. it's complimentary, yeah. I've always thought. It's, 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 yeah. You would never say one or the other. It's not Absolute. an exclusion. You don't, I'll only watch it on stage or I'll only watch it in the cinema. There, you get a different experience yes. with each of them. I mean, because the lovely thing, if you watch it, on, and I have seen some of the stuff mm. on, on television in the theatre that um, gets done, and you actually get to see everything. It's the best seat in the house, mm. isn't it? Is, essentially. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. So, I mean, that's something that's so incredible. And also the price, because it can be very expensive mm. to go to the theatre now. So being able to see it, you know, make it more accessible. I think it's a wonderful thing. And regional areas so often get missed out. Yeah. It's, you know, it's that's a real gripe I think with people that live out of London yeah, so rural things... communities you know we, we have a pub in Tideswell in Derbyshire and they have a screening room oh, in upstairs well, love so it. it's a real local community Thurso right up in the north of Scotland wow um, so you know we get we've in the earlier days when I worked when the Royal Opera House started going into cinemas I worked on the independent sector and we'd get letters from people who say you know I'm 85 I never thought I'd see another Royal Ballet performance oh. so and then obviously you can take you can take kids to the Nutcracker because if they fall asleep or they get jumping you have to leave it's 
it's not the same sort of investment that you've made to take them to the opera house. So yeah, I always look forward to seeing Matthew Bourne on Christmas Day. Oh yes, yes. and that's been and and partly that is possible because it's been a collaborative effort. So we've been involved, the producers are involved. Obviously, New Adventures are very involved, um, but then the broadcaster. So putting all of that the pot of money together makes it possible to come through the the different, and then it will go on to have a life on streaming or whatever else so oh it's lovely what it's amazing wonderful yeah. it's an it's incredible listening to you speaking when you were saying oh one of our smaller ones it was only 40 cinemas it's like <laughs> okay <laughs> not that small <laughs> i mean the, the other thing as you're talking now it's making me sort of think you're saying like up in scotland mm. and you've got all those people that's bringing communities together well, as that, well that's the other thing it's the shared experience so it might be that they're all billy eilish fans or it might be that they're all ballet fans. I mean, at the early days of the Royal Opera House, I used to go to Odin Covent Garden and there'd be regulars who would come and they would they would chat and they'd say, oh, did you see the Carmen last time? What did you think? And and you'd hear them and you think, well, that's great, isn't it? Because they, they get something out of it. I mean, we, there are other events that might be sports, you know, so you might have a cycling film that you bring a cycling community to get together. And there, these are events that commercially for a big film company they won't work day you know to to do that long run you just would get tiny audiences or empty screens which you know I don't know if you've ever been to a daytime screening of a film that's been around for four weeks you might be the only person in the cinema and um, so that, that doesn't glorious exactly. <laughs> it doesn't work for event cinema you actually what you want we like to have a full you know a full yes. packed but you you want to have a sense of shared moment mm-hmm. and that's that's part of it I think as well though as as speaking as a performer as well you want everyone to come together and share See, the experience yeah, enjoy and it, it is it's so much to sit in a full cinema it's fabulous and people clap isn't it? Yeah. yeah which is oh. lovely I mean Taylor Swift I went to watch it in a cine world in Hemel Hempstead and it was a huge screen and it wasn't full but there were people at the front they dressed up they were dancing oh. they're having an amazing time I can't wait to see that it, it is. It is fabulous. It's on streaming now. <laughs> so that's the thing. Things come. So that experience of going to the cinema has changed hugely because it's not now just about going to see the latest film. So it could be about going to see event cinema, or it could be about watching something streamed, and or even sport, as you're saying, mm. or a replay of an old film. So what does that mean for film and filmmakers today? Because obviously Vanessa and Zoe, you're also making film. So what does sort of this shift in the use of cinema mean for you? It's an interesting question that because there's still quite a divide on the films that make it to the cinema. So it's still now with big budget films, the marketing budgets and all of that that get put in the cinema and so many amazing films get made and end up in those vaults in Cannes and no one Mm. sees them or ever hears of them ever again and that's quite often to do with the marketing budgets which I suppose bringing it back to what I do it's with like indie films it's about creating a cinema experience where people can actually come together and can watch it and you can see your film on a big screen. Because when we make films, that's what we're doing. Mm. We want them to be watched on a big screen. We don't want them to disappear. And it's also, it's just where they're meant to be seen. When you shoot it and you have these big visions, you want that to be massive and everyone to be taken away on that journey. You know, you want to get lost in the story. And it's so important that we get people back Mm. in the cinemas because people started not going. And that was a real shame. But I think with all these amazing things, I mean, what you're doing 
with with that with the event cinema that's so brilliant because that's getting people that perhaps wouldn't go and see you know a normal mm. film or we go oh, I can watch that at home and it's really opening it up mm. so it's very exciting and what we just need to do is we need to start getting our government to wake up and start funding more filmmaking so that people you know indie filmmakers have the opportunity to get their films into the cinema because people are hungry for it they want to watch really interesting really good content mm. and they want the experience yeah and to pick up on that it's it's amazing because I was able to watch things like Jane Eyre that was on maybe 10 years ago and a view from the bridge was amazing and it's you get to see things that you maybe couldn't afford to go and see well, at the too national young, too young but case. also one yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah have the opportunity to see things that on you, you can't you, yeah, yeah masterpieces maybe you're studying it at the time and just draw inspiration from these performances mm. from the past and also it's a nostalgic thing like if i if i see the wizard of oz is on in a certain cinema i'll be like i've got to go and see that in the cinema just to go and experience what it might have been like to see that at the time it came out mm. yeah it's different in the yeah. cinema it isn't is, it yeah it, it is, is different and then they've <laughs> invested a lot in the technology the the yeah. reason I mean, films look and sound amazing in good yeah. cinemas because they've in, they've got the kit and it makes a massive difference. I mean, I got a bit picky. I'd go, oh, I'm not going to that one to watch the live because I don't like their screen. You know too much. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then other ones, oh, yeah, I really want to see it in, uh, yeah, in Dolby Atmosphere. That'd be fabulous. Um, so, okay. yeah, it yes. just, uh, they're constantly moving it on. And the filmmaking, the way things are filmed, they're so, so beautiful. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the thing is we... We look at the Barbies and the Oppenheimers and think, oh, gosh, we just don't have that sort of money. But actually what they've done is sort of regenerate enthusiasm for going to the cinema. Um, yes. So it gets yeah. people back in the habit because I think COVID obviously put an end to the habit, which is so important for yeah. cinema. You never I mean, regret going to the cinema. Even if the film it. you didn't love so much, it's still an experience and a talking with... point and yeah exactly. what I find you know you go see something when you, then you can sit and either moan about it or <laughs> if that, you know just tell everyone you've got to go and see I've it I've done it different yes exactly <laughs> why do they do that <laughs> So. And the, Zoe, that's really interesting you're saying about you never regret going to the cinema. And is it that love of cinema, the experience of cinema that made you want to start making film or Ooh. what prompted that? Because you've done a lot of performance. Yeah, so uh, so I started, it was quite organic how I came into filmmaking. So I made a five minute theatre experiment piece for a festival in Cambridge. It was called Rusty and it was about feeling rusty coming out of lockdown. So it was a five minute piece. And when I finished the performance, I was in the wings and I just thought, what? what happens next? What what can I do with this? And I did, I thought maybe it could be a film in that moment. Then I thought, no, no, no that's a really bad idea. Just instantly <laughs> doubted myself. And then it wasn't until about a week later when my friend said, why don't you make it into a film? And I was like, okay, maybe that's a good idea coming from someone else. That's when it basically began. And I just thought, how am I going to adapt this theatre show into something for the small screen? And then, you know, the endless possibilities open up because it's in film, you have context you have the kitchen you have everything whereas in theatre it's kind of black space and sound design and light depending on budget obviously <laughs> so yeah and then I, I I basically it was just a small team of, it was my boyfriend me and um, another friend and really yeah low budget basically zero and yeah we shot the film it was very easy and then edit it myself and it was it was nice because I'd already made the sound design for the theatre show so I was kind of I had all the beats there and I didn't actually write the script for the film it was kind of on my notes on my phone 
I finished the film and then my friend said, why don't you apply to festivals? And I was like, okay, apply to festivals. Did a load of that and then it was quite well received, which was, you know, exciting and fun and as, it, as it usually is. And you did that all yourself. Yeah. It was a Sony, Sony 7? One camera? One camera, yeah. Very low budget kind of. But amazing, well done. Yeah. And this is what's amazing about indie filmmakers because with nothing, you create these amazing films. Yeah. And that's why there should be more support. Government yeah. Agreed. Listening. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> but Liz, so what needs to happen, though, to get more films like Rusty having sort of wider attention? There needs to be more funding invested into new people coming through because there's a real danger where there's an amount of money that's allocated. It's a very small amount and it's given to a very small group of people. For women especially, there's a massive problem because... Unless you've done stuff early on and in your 20s, if you've done nothing, say in like your 30s, 40s or so on and want to get into it, there's no support. There's You're not going to get funding. And there's a real danger with that because if you've grown up, say, abused or in poverty, deprivation, you know, real bad stuff that you've gone through, it's going to be your 20s that you're going to be sorting that out coming to terms because whilst you're going through it you're going to be surviving and someone could turn around and give you opportunities at 18 19 you wouldn't know what to do with them because of how you've been treated so if you can come through that and you can work that out it's not going to be until 30s and onwards that you're going to actually be able to pull stuff together but wow how interesting is that stuff going to be those are stories that are incredible and actually that needs to be recognized and that needs to be acknowledged and there needs to be support out there and the crazy thing is um, it's something like every pound that is invested in a film like nine goes back into the economy wow. you know that there's so wow. many jobs included in film and making films that people don't even think about you know even just sort of like you know like building things making things painting things clothes you know so many jobs so actually it would be really smart if it was invested in and then people like yourself I mean you're making this stuff now it's like you know imagine if you had someone coming along going right let's give you some fun oh my gosh yeah because <laughs> yeah. it's so it's it's kind of stifling because I did I did a load of applying to funding pots and this that, and that nothing came through and it kind of gets you in this cycle of overthinking your scripts or not kind of being instinctual yeah, about so what you're, you're almost yeah. post-rationalizing what you've created exactly. because you're thinking well if I did that would that make it easier to get funding which it shouldn't be like that exactly. you should have to get the yeah, funding yeah. based on what you've created yeah so at the moment I'm kind of I've got a few little scripts but I'm like maybe I should just go and make them with zero budget just just to get it out of my body and into well, that, product. That's, yeah. that, that's what you have to do in this industry. Yeah, and you to... have to create stuff from nothing. Yeah. This is my, my point is that like the fact that it can go, right, I'm going to create something from nothing. And some of the stuff that gets made on shoestring budgets. And then you see some other stuff, people that have been spoon fed forever and then they're given a great big budget and you think, um, okay. And it's like, no, no, give the money to these people. <laughs> <laughs> It's so interesting. And also, Liz, what you're saying about that need to shine a light, I suppose, on those stories that maybe people have lived through, lived experiences. Yeah. And what the festival seemed to do was shine a light on a huge range of different types of cinema, stories that needed to be told, people who wanted to have their voice heard. Absolutely. And also, it's quite a 360 thing because the stories that you put out there and tell 
it's also whilst making them, it's incredible the amount of healing that can go into that. You know, when people get the chance to tell their story and to write things down and to create it, but also there's other people out there who watch that and suddenly go, oh my God, that's someone speaking mm. to me. Mm -hmm. I can relate to this. And there's so many ways that we can actually improve our, our societies by coming together. And um, film is so powerful. I mean, I had a conversation with someone about, you know, the, the TV series that was out, I think it was back in January, that was about the post office, you know. Yeah, the, the so it's, just, it's just caused, well, it's caused yeah. a change in government attitude. Yeah. Isn't it? <laughs> but isn't yeah. it interesting? Because everybody knew about well, that. It's been going on for it's ages. It's been going on for ages. But suddenly when you make... A Toby Jones. Yeah. Ugh. Playing. But, 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 yeah. but just, you make a drama yeah. and people suddenly yeah. it becomes real. Well, because yeah, suddenly you walk in someone else's shoes. Suddenly mm -hmm. you realise, oh, that's a human being. That's a real person. Oh, mm -hmm. they've got fears. They've got hopes. They've got joys. There's, you know, and suddenly it's like you're outraged because mm -hmm. you feel it with them. And that's what cinema mm -hmm. does. It gives you a chance to see things in a different way. And it, it, can, it can change the world. Mm -hmm. It sounds very yeah. dramatic, but it you can. Know. It can. It's the power of the arts, isn't yes. it? Yes. And that experience of going to the cinema can be so all-encompassing. Now, you've all got experience of film and theatre. So what's the difference, I suppose, in sitting in a cinema watching something and sitting in a theatre watching something? Oh. Tricky, I know. Yeah, I, that, that's really hard to answer because both are just incredible i mean i just recently went and saw the the motive in the queue mm, I saw that. oh my god that's i great isn't it mm. and it just that was like we came out of that it's like and you know and talking about mm. it and really excited about it and and while you're there you're so involved you're taken away with it and it's seeing people up close and, and becoming so enamored with these incredible actors and actresses and the way that things that you know the sets and the direction and it's it's right there it's visceral, isn't it? yeah it's visceral yeah. yeah the cinema it's the same thing you go and watch something amazing in the cinema and you get yeah. lost and taken away mm. and it's magical it's so real there's a lot of thinking you don't have to do mm -hmm. i recently saw my neighbor totoro at the barbican and that film is my childhood and mm. seeing it on stage was just it's perf it was and perfection. It, it lived up to, oh, that's good. Because it, I mean, it's quite hard to go exceeded. and see something that is something yeah. so no. important to you and then yeah, you don't want no, it to no. be spoiled. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I thought it was, it, it reignited everything yeah. I loved and oh, more fabulous. about the film. We all came out just like in tears. I was crying mm. throughout. It was just oh. seeing the puppets were just enormous and we were quite close. So it was just exploding with energy mm. and life. And it was just... <sighs> It makes me cry. Yeah, it was amazing, but I don't. I don't actually remember the film. Weirdly, making me feel that intensely. But mm. I think I was so young. Yeah, I think you know. You had a different reaction. It's different. Yeah. But you've but got the memories of the film. That, yeah. So, yeah, the film is everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Liz, you touched on the fact that admission to cinemas has dropped, and that's we talk so much about audience numbers across the arts. So that's not just something affecting cinema; it's affecting all art forms at the moment. So, what can we do to get people back through the doors of our cinemas? I mean, Vanessa's job is marketing to get them in full time anyway. So, yeah. what what can we do? Well, I mean. A lot of the problems, I mean, I know for us personally, like with a festival, it's a financial thing. I mean, we get no funding. We, we are looking for, for funding, if there's anyone out there. Having the cinema, it's very, very expensive because it costs a lot of money mm. to run it. And raising the money to actually pay for that, to get people in, which then limits how much you can have in there. So we're there trying to really 
you know, give a platform to these films that absolutely need to be shown. I mean, the stories that are being told are so important. It's so, so important on so many levels. And then after each film, there's a Q&A and you have people who've been so moved by what they've seen who are like going, well, how, what can I do to help? And then you have people in the game, well, actually, I'm working for this charity. And you're creating this stuff. So we're like, it works. People want to come. But I suppose we need more financial support. I mean, that's everything, I think, in the arts, isn't it? It's always what, what we need, more financial support. The marketing as well, getting people along. So you talked about, like, um, Oppenheimer and the Barbie movie. I mean, the marketing budget for Barbie was more than the film. And it just goes to show. I mean, it's interesting because I've got a feature in development at the moment. And um, the director, it's going to be her first feature that she's that she's done. And we were a bit like, oh, well, that put people off. And we did research on it. And we discovered that actually that has nothing to do with it. It's the marketing, mm. how it's marketed. And that, once again, is money. Yeah, so I mean, unfortunately marketing is yeah it's, it's so important and it's really yes it's crucial yeah but it's, it's very hard to do free marketing i know mm. because it costs money mm. it all costs money and and it's yeah it's really annoying that that's my answer i wish i had a different yeah, answer it's also so everywhere so the you know the online everything's busy so it's mm. hard to punch above if you're not putting spend behind you know yeah it, you know that sort of organic marketing unless you've got you know, obviously, when we're choosing partners to work with, we are we look very closely at the audiences that they have already, what their channels are like, because essentially, when we start, we need to be able to access that. We need it's very hard. I think, particularly in theatre, quite often when you have a play that you might then take to cinema, they might not have a very big social audience because obviously, when a play comes, it, it create, quite often it's creating brand new social channels, and it takes it takes time to build those. Uh, it was very interesting on The Little Life because the book has such a fan base. That <laughs> yeah, that Zoe's reaction is so a fan. Different experience because they had already built a really significant audience international audience on instagram before the play even opened did they did spend but they had the channels open very very early and they just drip fed sort of teaser photos very limited really but that that audience was so passionate we had messages it didn't we weren't allowed to release it in the u.s you can't imagine the number of messages we were getting oh, from people who were so wow. upset, oh. so upset. We had people fly to no. other or go over the border in Europe because they could go and watch it in other countries. And we released it in English. It was only in English. I remember because I saw the production. It was in Dutch, wasn't it? Original. Original. Yes, yeah. original. And then I was looking to, for any information about this production. Like, so I was like, I'll fly to go and see it. I really want to see it. <laughs> and then it was coming to the Edinburgh International Festival. And yes. that's where in I saw Dutch. it. In the Dutch. Did you yeah, see it in, in Dutch? Dutch. Yeah. Wow. I think you aired it after that. Re we've or done the English. We've the done English. the English. Yeah, so we've done I the James Norton version. Yeah, blew me away. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> I uh, love that extraordinary, production. extraordinary. Yeah. Um, so it's the same production, but a uh, different cast. Yeah. And obviously staged, yeah. In, in English, but there was a, there was a ready-made audience for us, so that made the marketing that much easier because like they anything. were there, and we, we had a we we could build momentum quite quickly. Whereas if you're starting from zero, it's quite it's it's challenging. Yeah, and I suppose also as well there, there's that thing, and you probably understand this. It's like when you're doing the creative stuff and creating and making something that consumes all yeah. your time and takes all your time, mm -hmm. and it's yeah, how do you? manage the other side as well when you haven't got funds to pay people to, to do, do the marketing yeah. for you yeah it's um 
Yeah, it's it's a it's a conundrum. Mm. It is. But it's quite amazing what people do manage to do, isn't it? Mm. So it's all possible. <laughs> Anything is possible. Anything is Positive possible. thinking. I Absolutely. like it. <laughs> a, a slightly different question before we look to wrap up. There's been lots of media attention recently about cinema etiquette, which on the whole seems worse than theatre etiquette. People go in and out for the toilet. They're scrolling on the phones. They're chatting. We spoke before about whooping and dancing with something like Taylor Swift, which is obviously a fantastic reaction. But sitting and having a chat and playing on Instagram probably isn't what we want. So why? Cinema? Cinema's not cheap. It's certainly, you know, not like it used to be when you'd go and see a film for a fiver. Everything's increased in price. Why do you think this is happening? Do you know, I I haven't, I have to be honest, I haven't seen it. I saw a, a few years back when Wolf of Wall Street was on, I remember watching that and a guy's phone ringing and him answering it. And I was just like, what are you doing? Put your phone. And this guy's and he, and he left. I, like I could, I was, I was completely like, it was so shocking. And everyone was like, oh, you know, it's all very British. I'm like, terrible, terrible. And back to watching. But I have heard this. I have heard people saying this, and I can't get my head around it because, like you say, why would you pay to go and see something and then? Do Does they do it at home? Because it's the watching at home, scrolling, eating. Is? It's that that sort of people don't completely focus and immerse themselves in the moment at home. They get very easily distracted. And then I think when they yeah. go to a cinema, they forget that actually, well, certainly for other people's enjoyment, you shouldn't do that. I think it depends what you're seeing and what the rest of the audience members are like because it gets very, very short shrift in certain audiences. <laughs> <laughs> you can imagine, Chloe. Yeah. Is that a met live in HD? <laughs> not go, not down go down well. well at all. But then again, it probably doesn't happen. I have a husband who can't bear other people eating loudly. So that we... We spend our time with him moving in the cinema because he can't be near so-and-so who's doing this or whatever. So it is difficult, but, um, yeah, I think it, it probably depends what you're watching, how... I mean, I think it's happening in theatres as well, that's the no, thing. It definitely no. is, and you've got you know, very... some of the big musicals, I think yeah. they've had terrible problems with, well, particularly people drinking, I think. There are, and very and brave then... actors recently stopping performances to deal with unruly theatre members. No. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. my God, I don't think I could cope. I'd have a nervous breakdown. I'm like, what are you all doing? <laughs> yeah. I, I do remember hearing it. Crawford. Crawford. Michael well done between Sorry, us. Michael yeah. Crawford. <laughs> <laughs> I remember him saying about when he was doing Phantom of the Opera, and apparently some, some American woman was on the front row and her phone rang and she like answered the phone and was like I can't talk I'm at the theatre oh my god and he was just like it's like yeah it's amazing and then started like talking about it telling and it was like <laughs> but like the theatres even even more so, it's terrible in the cinema, but even more so because there's people there having to yeah, they're, they're, digging deep and yeah. pulling mm. out. Oh my God, yes. I have a thought that it could be to do with fashion and how fashion's changed. And I think, oh, me included, I can, I love turning up to the cinema in my trackies and I might even take my shoes off and cross my legs. So that sort of feeling, coffee. yeah, sort of the casual yeah. feeling that you're almost at, at home, home again. on your sofa. Yeah. So yeah. I feel like maybe before people would dress up to go to the cinema and make a oh. thing of it and mm. present themselves well like you would at the theatre but now yeah. it's kind of about com comfy clothing is fashionable mm. that's anyway. really interesting and I suppose we've obviously got cinemas with sofas now and you get yeah, served yeah. at yeah, your sofa yes. exactly so it's lots a... of food offerings oh yes and they're bringing the well, so that's yeah. one sorry that's yeah. one <laughs> your, hus <laughs> yeah, your husband cannot go, like that go to that particular <laughs> even though it is my 
Like, we can't go together because he can't bear the food. <laughs> food. Yeah, yeah. And they're walking in and they dip down. We went to Operation Mincemeat and the children in front all had milkshakes, which they sucked very loudly. Oh. While their parents sat at the other end of the road, we sat behind them. So that's, yeah. It's, it's I'm with your husband. Exactly. It takes you out of the moment, No, it does. It and really particularly does. if you're with someone else who's very discomforted by it, then also that just spoils your, it spoils both your yeah. pleasure because it's just irritating. <laughs> You see, I'm like it at home. If if like we're watching something and they start talking or doing something, I'm like, Will you stop it! Do you know how hard it is to produce this and to make this? You know, these these people, what they've done, they've devoted their lives to create this artistry. Will you be quiet? Okay, okay. All right. All right. Yeah, you I mean, need what? to go out to the cinema with Vanessa's husband and deal yes, with exactly. the people eating noisily. Yeah, I just. Uh... <laughs> I think it is. I don't know what the answer is. Really. I mean, I'm hoping it will go a sort of maybe turn a circle again, and mm. people will remember that, particularly when you've paid to have pay for your ticket. I mean, event cinema is, is you know has a higher price because we have fewer opportunities yes, to of course to commercially make it work. Yeah, you hope people will think. Well, actually, I've just paid my money. I should really just sit here and enjoy it and not be chatting. Do you, so. do you know what? I've just sorry. I've just remembered um, last year at our our film festival there was um, a screening where some people started like going in and out sort of between films. And the next screening at the beginning, I was like, right. Okay, nobody is to do that, you know, explained the importance of respecting each mm. other's work and everything. And I made a really big deal about it. If anyone needs the loo, you go to the loo now. But when this block is that, you know, it was really like assertive about it. Anyway, at the, it started, everyone rushed to the loo and it was all very great. Anyway, halfway through, right in the middle of a film, my partner and my daughter came through. They opened the door so the light flooded in. They then said, no, you have to, made all this noise. And I was, I was literally... <laughs> <laughs> they were disowned, I can tell you. It was like, didn't know who yeah. those people were. <laughs> that is sod's law, isn't it? Isn't it? I was so pious before that. <laughs> and not again. Oh, dear. So on that note, let's move on to Head First, our regular question that we ask guests every episode. So in this frenetic world, can you tell us what are you currently doing for you? Vanessa? I run. That's my way to start the day. Just sort out all the things that I'm going to have to go back and answer in a minute when I get back in front of the emails. Going out, out to nature, we've just been to Pembrokeshire for New Year, which was very wet, but very, very beautiful. Lovely. And that's a good way to just, yeah escape everything and but I, I do love to absorb theatre and culture full stop went to Chanel and the Divas exhibition mm. at V&A on Saturday which I can highly recommend both of those beautiful um, yeah go and, go and see more theatre films amazing so what about you Zoe um, I'm big on my yoga I just love it I do <laughs> <laughs> um, I try and go to a class twice a week Great. Um, and as much as I can in between that. But it just is, it resets me. I can go into it feeling anxious and just full of unnecessary thoughts. And I can leave like I feel on top of the world. So it's 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 a meditation for me. I love it. I just I just do. And I love, my, shout out to my teacher, Victoria. Love you. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> but, but how brilliant to have something that just relaxes you and yeah. causes you to unwind completely. 
because yeah not everyone can find something to do that I know that when I did yoga I used to make to-do lists in my head and it was not <laughs> so it didn't <laughs> it didn't quite work for me though so but that's brilliant to hear I, it is all about the teacher I must say yeah I'm yeah, sure I've, I've tried I've had a lot of teachers but this one I, she's great fantastic and Liz, what about you? Oh, well, I've got quite a few things I do. I have to get up at the crack of dawn just to fit everything in. It's um, I meditate, which I absolutely need to. I, I'm a very hyperactive person and I need to kind of take that time. And it, it has it changed my life. I've been doing that probably for about 15 years now. And it's so important to me. I also do loads of yoga I love yoga I used to run loads and I did my knees yeah so yoga is my, my absolute thing I also do qigong which I absolutely swear by qigong is like the spiritual version of tai chi it's amazing and I actually I discovered it a few years ago I had long covid and it was just going on and on and on and on forever and anyway someone suggested to me doing qigong because it restores you it puts energy back in so with a lot of exercise you do it you can feel tired afterwards so especially when you've got no energy and qigong just puts it all back into it's really healing and it's just beautiful absolutely I, I love it I swear by it and I have an amazing teacher called Neil who's really 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 brilliant shout out to you yeah. Neil. <laughs> <laughs> but um the other thing on a practical note because I don't know about the rest of you I'm exhausted <laughs> I get so tired because just like life's so busy and I discovered this thing called Minds in Unison and they do a, um, a hypnotherapy thing. there's lots of different ones but the one that I use is for energy and it's about 15 minutes and it takes you through this sort of like this you know you go down steps and stuff into a garden and all of that and then he sits there and tells you how much energy you've got basically and you come out and you go yes I can do anything I've got loads of energy and yeah I really recommend it <laughs> I'll be giving that a go later. yeah I need that yeah it's, it's so pretty because you know sometimes when you're just you've got so much on and you're really overwhelmed mm -hmm. and you're kind of like you're so tired and you're like I just want to go to bed yeah. and sleep but you also can't sleep because your brain's like a million miles mm. this it's just like like 15 minutes you sit down pop it on and it really I really noticed it works good tip there you go very tip good tip <laughs> well thank you so much to Vanessa Liz and Zoe for talking today and I think we all need to get down to the local cinema whether it's to see a new indie film or to check out something that premiered at the Soho Lift Festival or to watch something that's a piece of event cinema so thank you for coming on in our next episode we'll be talking all about spotlighting LGBTQ plus stories so please give us a follow on at the pink podcast one and make sure to join us for the next conversation on the pink podcast.